You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Hi, and always a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to join us again on the NFL on TuneIn. Let's start with the Bears, who beat the Steelers last week, almost took care of the Falcons in Week 1. What's enabled Chicago to play fairly well to start the year coming off a three-win season? Yeah, guys, uh, improvement, definitely the running game. That that stands out. You watch the tape. This team is confident running the football. They've got a one-two punch right now that they feel good about with Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. Throwing the football has been a problem, and I think it will continue to be a problem, not just with Mike Glennon, but the core of wide receivers they have just doesn't quite measure up to most of the teams around the NFL. And defensively, they're competitive. That's one thing they've shown through the first three weeks, including last week against Pittsburgh. They stopped the run well. Uh, I think they're beginning to form in the mold of a John Fox-type team. It's taken a few years to get there, but now you're starting to see signs of the identity that, that he visualized when he took over. When you look at this team with Mike Glennon as a quarterback, the Chicago Bears, uh, they easily right now, let's just say they could be two and one. I know the hype of Mitchell Trubisky may have startled a, a few people, even Mike Glennon. Uh, but they actually had the, op- have the, had the opportunity to be two and one. You think of the first game of the season uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. There were two touchdowns in the end zone uh, that were dropped. And here it is. Of course, they lost to Tampa because I think Tampa had Mike Glennon's number because they know who he was from top to bottom. And then we saw them play the Steelers. This team is probably, I would say, one of the few that is truly better than their record. And I'm coming from a place of the physicality they possessed this last weekend playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Do you see them getting any better and being able to compete a little bit better than we may think they can in the NFC North? Yeah, Cordell, I think you make a good point. They're a team that not a lot of people were paying attention to when the season started. They haven't won back-to-back games since November of 2015. So when you're trying to figure out who you are and trying to learn how to win, that's been part of what, what John Fox has done there. There's a reason why they paid Mike Lennon all this money. They were searching. Now, the the curious part was then moving up, taking Mitchell Trubisky and assigning him the the future quarterback, future leader status. Uh, We knew there would be a little bit of drama, and the fact that Glennon has struggled a bit. You're right, uh, his receivers didn't help him in week one. But just watching the tape from last week, he was tentative at times. They're not throwing the ball downfield. I I think they're going conservative because that's the way they believe they can win games right now because that running game is, is legit. But if you're just looking at what they are and what they have coming up, they have a chance to make a statement here. In Green Bay, Green Bay is banged up. They are severely injured. Uh, They've got uh, Minnesota coming up. They've got Baltimore coming up. They're going to be opportunities to open some eyes around the NFL for this team. And to your point, I think they were just an afterthought before the year started. Maybe some opinions are beginning to change. Taking you around the league with Ian Eagle of Westwood One Sports and the NFL on CBS. Ian, you'll be in the booth in Baltimore on Sunday. Joe Flacco, as you know, 28 passing yards Sunday in that debacle of a loss in London. He's merely one game over 500 as a starter since winning the Super Bowl in New Orleans. Where do you think Flacco is at this stage of his career? Well, I, I think he's not 100%. That, that's what stands out when reviewing the film from last week, uh, the back injury that 
he was dealing with in the preseason. They don't really have a backup plan. I don't think they trust Ryan Mallett to, to step in and, and run the team, and that's why Flacco's been in there. He's been very durable throughout his career. Uh, we know he got paid the big contract after the Super Bowl. Uh, Joe is what he is. Uh, he, he's never going to be considered one of the, the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but that doesn't mean that you can't be a winning quarterback in this league. Uh, Flacco, I would hope that they could get back to some downfield uh, mentality that worked for him. He was at his best really with Gary Kubiak running the offense. And I think the dynamic between Kubiak and Flacco, somebody he respected, somebody he listened to, someone he responded to as Cordell could speak to a lot better than I can. That's such an underrated part of the equation when you've got the right coaches in place and everything clicks. I just don't think it's clicking right now with Marty Morningwig and Joe Flacco. And I think there there could be a ticking time bomb here. If this doesn't get better quickly, you could see some changes in the next few weeks. And Baltimore has done that before. Uh, John Harbaugh is not shy about making changes if they need to be made. Yeah, I agree with that. And and, and it didn't just start this year. It was last year because yep. Steve Bashotti, remember, mentioned that he needs better play at the quarterback position. And, of course, he's talking directly to Joe Flacco, and it's the continuation, I think, of poor play. But speaking of poor play, the New York Giants. I mean, where do they go from here? They're 0-3. They can't get any anything done correctly, whether it's the defense trying to make stops but can't score touchdowns for the offense. The offense is is enabled across the board to do anything, right, starting with the running game, the offensive line of protecting the quarterback, and being consistent at the wide receiver position when everyone thought that receiving core with Brandon Marshall being added to the equation would be a much, a much better and maybe the best uh, three-receiving core uh, yep. in the National Football League. Where did it go from here? I would say right now they're the biggest disappointment in the NFL. Uh, considering the expectation level, I live in the New York area, so I hear it every day. Uh, this is not what Giant fans visualized. This is not what Ben McAdoo visualized. This is not what Giants ownership visualized. They thought this team could legitimately compete within the NFC. Uh, the problem that stands out, offensive line play has been horrid, protecting Eli Manning. Eli's not a spring chicken. He wasn't the most mobile guy even early in his career, but uh, he could get out of trouble. He, he would be Houdini-like at times. Now uh, you're asking for trouble if you can't protect him on that left side, which has been a big, big problem. Second, the wide receiving core you mentioned, Cordell, take it a step further with their running game, which is basically non-existent. I think the Giants did take a risk in believing that they had the players on their roster that could run the football and Paul Perkins and Shane Vereen and Orleans Darkwa, right now they're not getting it done. Uh, there have been years you played in the NFL where everything just seemed to work. You, you led this charm life of uh, everything you guys did would, would find a way to victory. It's the exact opposite for the Giants, and sometimes that happens in the league where it's just not the right mix. It's, it's going to have to happen soon. If it doesn't happen this week, I know McAdoo uh, yesterday came out and said uh, that things are going to change and they have to change. And I, I think, unfortunately for him, he doesn't have uh, the Tom Coughlin-like experience to lean on in these kind of situations when uh, you're starting to lose the player's interest and uh, engagement level. 
this this better get better quickly, or uh, there are going to be bigger changes on the horizon for this franchise. Nor does he have the Super Bowl rings. Ian Eagle, our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, you've been the TV voice of the Nets for many years. What do you make of the social activism becoming far more pronounced now in our league, which has been a major component of the NBA yep. for many years? Yeah, Brian, I, I think uh, the the whole intersection of, of sports and, and social issues has always been there. It's just never been at this fevered pitch because rarely do we have the president of the United States to weigh in on these issues first and foremost and make them front page news. We've had presidents that have had sitting presidents that have had opinions, but normally they were handled with a careful tone uh, because of the way in which uh, Donald Trump, our president, came out and made his statements, I think it set off this chain reaction. And I can understand it. Uh, athletes are very proud. They've worked very hard to get to where they are. Only a select few get to be uh, on this stage at this level and the recognition that they can affect social change. Uh, we're in a new world now. And uh, because of that, I I don't see anything changing, and I don't have a problem with it, to be perfectly honest with you. My job is to report. My job is to be the conduit from the event to the viewer or the listener. And I'm not going to change that. My job isn't to put opinion and to spin. Uh, my job is simply to uh, give viewers and listeners uh, a flavor of what's happening at the game, at the venue. Uh, if this continues to happen week in and week out, I will continue to report it until it's no longer uh, news and until it's no longer part of the narrative. And as we wrap it up, I spent 12 years at Tennis Channel, so I know you're a skilled tennis broadcaster. Long <laughs> afternoons at Roland Garros on the red clay. Given everything you've called, your diverse resume, what's the one sport you'd like to try you've not done professionally? Oh, Brian, that's, that's a great question. I had a, I had a chance to do some Met games a number of years ago. I grew up a huge Mets fan in Queens, about seven minutes from Shea Stadium, and it was the only time my wife in all our years, we've married 24 years, when I approached her and said, hey, I've got this opportunity to call about 25 Mets games. She said, are you crazy? <laughs> are you nuts? You're, you're not going to do that, right? And I thought to myself, oh, yeah, I get like three weeks off in the summer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend the three weeks and uh, have an adult beverage and uh, sit by a pool. So I would say baseball would be uh, the only thing that, that I haven't done that at some point, if, if the opportunity presents itself again, I, I may jump on it. I'm sure you'll get around yep. to that. Next time we have you on the show, I'll tell you my story of doing arm wrestling for Fox Sports Net with Larry Minetti <laughs> from Magnum P.I. That's how good my resume is, Ian. No, no, that, that's now what I want to do next. If, <laughs> if I can do arm wrestling with Tom Selleck, then you and I could have this conversation. Thank you, Ian. Have a great him, call let's just tomorrow. Get Brian, let's just get Brian a game show host. We'll work job, on that, okay? too. Let's just do them now. Let's just... Exactly. Thank you, Ian. Have a great call tomorrow. All right, guys. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on. Tune in.